0: Open the door to the most powerful room in housing. Built for mortgage executives, real estate leaders, and the rising stars that drive innovation and progress, The Gathering will feature over 45 powerful speakers on stage in Scottsdale, Arizona from April 21st to 24th. Learn more and register now at housingwirethegathering.com.
1: Welcome, everyone. I'm Chris Clow, editor with HW Media and Reverse Mortgage Daily, sitting in for Sarah Wheeler. Today on Housing Wire Daily, my guest is Logan Motashami, who will primarily be discussing the speech from Fed Chair Jerome Powell in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, and whether or not we can expect additional rate hikes, as well as what we might be able to expect from housing inventory for the remainder of the year. But first, here's a word from our sponsor.
0: Hi, I'm Sarah Wheeler, Editor-in-Chief at HW Media, talking to Desmond Smith, Chief Growth Officer at UWM, about SafeCheck. Desmond, how are trigger leads impacting borrowers?
1: So trigger leads have become a very big issue throughout many industries, not just mortgages, but specifically the mortgages. What we've seen happen is a loan officer or a broker will pull credit, and sometime within minutes, but uh, definitely within the hour, uh, we've had consumers receive upwards of 40 calls. You know, within a day or two, they may receive hundreds of calls. So that's the reason that UWM created SafeCheck to protect
0: borrowers. Thanks, Desmond. And listeners, you can find out more about SafeCheck at uwm.com.
1: Logan, thanks for coming back to HWD. We really appreciate it.
2: It is wonderful to be here. This is my last time where somebody doesn't tell me what to do all the time because Sarah's coming back next week. So I'm, I'm going to enjoy it as much as I can.
1: Excellent. Well, uh I know that you have been watching the speech from Fed Chair Jerome Powell uh, quite a lot. He recently made his much watched speech from Jackson Hole, and I'm sure you've got a lot to say about it. What are your thoughts? And uh, we'll also talk about rates,
2: too. You know, the first thing that came to my mind is during the speech, he talked about housing, and he said, housing's picking up. Purchase application data just hit the lows of 1995. So I'm just assuming the Fed has predated some of the talks and does not look at real time related because we we had talked about that with Neil Kashkari recently. And uh again, it's getting harder and harder for me to justify some of the Fed's comments on housing when clearly the data is going the other way. But uh, I think for today's conversation it's really about 2024 rate hikes, rate cuts, mortgage rates, where are we going to go right now? And and how I would present this today is Basically, if I was, you know, talking to a, a Wall Street firm right now, there's a lot of things that are different currently today that weren't the case uh, last year. So that the ten-year yield right now, as as I'm talking to you, is at four point two four percent. It's basically at the peak forecast. We were here roughly, kind of uh, uh, in the summer uh, uh, of 2022. But right now, I think the main thing everyone needs to uh, uh, take from the Jackson Hole is the Fed is pretty much done. Uh, maybe one more rate hike, but they are pretty much uh, over with their rate hike cycle. They're going to talk as tough as possibly, but there's also a realization that the whole premise of you know jacking short-term rates as fast as they did is to get to a level where they just want to hold it right? And the, the, that's the key thing that we have to think about for 2024. You hold you hold rates until something breaks, or now we're starting um, the process of, we could actually get some cuts in 2024 without uh, a job loss recession or jobless claims rising, because the growth rate of inflation falling, as the Fed has talked about now, of a few Fed members, and with, uh, with, if inflation falls even more and where rates are, the Fed staying consistent with what they have talked about can actually start cutting rates in 2024 without uh, the labor market getting hit. They're laying the foundations for that. Um, of course- A lot of the economic data up front has been really strong. Uh, GDP is running at 5.9%. I'm not a big fan of the Atlanta Fed GDP tracker early on because it gets more efficient toward the end of the quarter. But retail sales, industrial productions, a lot of the things that are pushing growth right now, the um, deficit spending for manufacturing, these things uh, will not be here so much next year. And also, we're going to have the student loan debt payments being injected into the system, which means less disposable income. So I think the Fed is mindful of everything of that, but it does lay the groundwork that we can have rate cuts next year without a job loss recession, as long as the growth rate of inflation falls, right? They're focusing on core inflation, X housing, right? So that they're counting the rent into this. And that right now, to me, it's we we took the huge brunt of the damage uh, uh, last year and this year. And 2024 should be uh, uh, different. Sure. You know,
1: I've seen uh, some other media outlets that have characterized the speech that uh, that Powell made as hawkish or defiant. Is that something that you picked
2: up on? Here, this, this is an interesting topic because I'm not a Fed pivot person. Um, and what I mean by Fed pivot is that a lot of people, especially Wall Street stock traders or tech investors... They just naturally thought last year when stocks were falling, the economy was going into a recession, that the Fed was going to cut rates this year. Um, myself, I've set a, a, a precedent. I said, okay, listen, I'm not a Fed pivot person until jobless claims get over 323000 That means the labor market is breaking, and I'm just holding on to that. A lot of the other people that are in the, the Fed won't um, pivot camp is uh, – are people that just want to see the U.S. go into recession and hate everything? So I'm I'm in a I'm, I'm with a weird group of people right now. Uh, there's a few others that that are like me that the economy was in a better footing than than people gave it credit for. But the people that expected the Fed to cut rates, I think, are those people still left that are looking at this very hawkish because I'm I'm kind of reading this as okay, we we got to the level that we wanted to, and we're just going to hold the line and take take it from there which is much different from last year where we're just hiking rates hiking rates hiking rates hiking rates you know talking tough now we're we're setting the groundwork for 2024 which means that uh we're pretty much over at this stage uh, uh if the growth rate of inflation falls stabilizes goes lower the supply catches up then we're we're waiting to see when do they start cutting rates at that point and what does that mean for the economy or something does break with the labor market and the bond market gets ahead of the Fed already uh, and it forces them to cut. I think the backdrop for that is much easier for the Fed as well because if inflation was running at eight to 9% and you have a job loss recession, then what do they do, right? Their mandate is to, you know, they're talking about, well, we want to fight inflation. Do you even cut rates in that environment? Um, Here they have a better backdrop to be a little bit more, Uh, Dovish, if that does occur, if jobless claims does break above three hundred twenty three
1: thousand, I understand that the goal uh, for the Fed is two percent growth. Do you
2: think that that's attainable, considering what was laid out? Well, I mean, the the Fed wants economic growth to be below trend. Um, Their their inflationary target is core PCE two percent. That's kind of like what they've always really wanted to work with, but here. It's going to take some time to get to that level, and, and it's got to hold, right? We, the 21st century, it's been it's been very hard for the for inflation to even stay above two percent. Here we have a different problem. So, I, I a lot of people are, are starting to talk about maybe the Fed changed their inflation targets. Maybe the, instead of two percent, it should be three percent. I'm not in that camp. That's that's. That, no, first of all, we shouldn't even be doing that, but that that's something else that the Fed has to start talking about. And Jerome Powell said, no, we're not doing that, right? So 2% core inflation is the target, but they're starting to lay the groundwork. If, if the economy does slow because it's, uh, it, I don't think it can maintain itself, let's push this uh, forward and we'll cut rates if the growth rate of inflation, this doesn't mean that they're going to cut rates by 3% or anything, but you start the process of cutting rates, even with an expanding economy,
1: I understand that uh, in his comments specifically about housing, he alluded to the idea that prices will ease,
2: but not necessarily that they would drop.
1: What did you pick up on that?
2: You know, uh, we're all debating what the Fed is looking at in terms of housing data. Um, I think it's housing is so complicated right now because you have the new home sales sector that is still rising on a year-over-year basis. They can live in a sub-6% world. We no longer have home sales crashing, but they're not growing either. So we have near 21st century lows. So in that context, one sector of the housing market is growing. The other isn't. Um, But when we talk about uh, with the Fed, it's always rent inflation, not home prices. There's this whole debate that, well, if prices are rising, the Fed has to raise rates. No, no. The Fed reset was not directed to home prices crashing, right? The Fed reset was basically, listen, too many people were bidding on, on too few homes. The growth rate of pricing uh, escalated out of control, right? The whole savagely unhealthy housing market was this concept. They wanted things to calm down. And they mentioned that. They said that the growth rate of pricing plummeted, and that's true right? We were running at 18, 20% at the early part of 2022. We were all the way down to a a very low single digits. In that context, the Fed is, I think, fine with home prices because they can't really target that. But rent inflation is what filters into the inflation data. Like I always explain to people during the housing bubble years, right? We had this massive credit and home price growth. It was crazy, but rent inflation wasn't doing anything. So core inflation wasn't really doing anything, right? So I think- uh, we separate housing and inflation because the Fed can't really target home prices and keep with their mandate but rent inflation cooling down is a positive for them Again so much 44.4 percent of CPI inflation is shelter rent housing uh, it's not just primary residence lodging it's all these things so that cooling down they find that as a benefit uh, they just want to make sure it sticks.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, I understand too that one of the things he said about rent inflation was that it was something like an in the pipeline change, I think was the word that he used.
2: Yeah yeah, it's you know how CPI um accounts for rent. It's it's funny. We're almost at the one year anniversary. Last year on September, before the CPI report, uh CNBC asked me to come and talk about housing, mortgage rate lockdown, inflation rents. And I said that how we account for inflation with rents, it really lags a lot. So the growth rate of rent inflation, the real-time data was already cooling down noticeably, but it it's going to be like six to 12 months before it actually hits the CPI data. We're almost there in that where we're now seeing shelter inflation fall. Uh, that's the lag period. So the Federal Reserve itself last year in December said, okay, we acknowledge this. So let's look at inflation, service inflation, X housing, because the shelter inflation is going to be coming down. And we're starting the disinflation uh, 12-month tour of rent inflation cooling down. It was very unsustainable, right? The growth rates of rents uh, really peaked out in 2021. So we're just coming back down to normal. That is a huge deal because you can't really have inflation take off unless rents take off. So we had this experiment in in the during the housing bubble years, rent inflation didn't take off. So uh CPI didn't take off. That'll help, but the Fed is more focused, focused on service inflation. Like for example, one of the Fed presidents yesterday said, I want the labor market to get weaker, but for the service sector, right? You know, uh they want the labor market to get weaker so wage growth comes down. And if they see wage growth come down, so that means less spending on on goods and the price of uh of service inflation comes lower not higher uh that's why they always talk about labor uh wage growth Th- these things they want to see that cool down so you don't get entrenched inflation and it's happening right wage growth is 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 cooling down on on the bls uh, reports for 12 months out we're just not back to the 3% level that we were uh, before COVID. I think that that they would prefer that than having four, four and a half percent wage growth. Three percent would be perfect for them. If you get productivity growth, hello, that's the Fed miracle, right? That that would make their life so much easier if we get productivity growth. So there there's a lot going on here, but he try to address everything and stay kind of neutral. And I think that's that that's probably the right thing to do. But there is no raising the inflation targets. Uh, we, we, we're focusing on service inflation X shelter. We've done so many rate hikes already that they're going to be careful now at this stage. You're going to have a lot of wall street people or, you know, prominent media people saying, Oh, the fed is behind the curve. They need to hike, hike more. We have shown the country. You do not need a job loss recession to bring down the growth rate of inflation, especially when it's related to a global pandemic. That's the history of global pandemics. Global pandemics and war are very inflationary early on. Then the disinflationary factor happens. That's a positive. So land the plane. Don't crash it. Land the plane. There you go. Uh,
1: I guess last thing before we move on, just um, if you If you had to say a few words to the housing professionals that probably listen to this show on a regular basis, you know, with the speech, with the data that you have access to, how do you think that combines to an outlook for the rest of the year in terms of the people who do business in the housing sector?
2: Right now, we're just for me, just for my work, we're at the peak range of where mortgage rates, the bond market should be uh, assuming that the economy is still moving. Um, for it to get worse from here, it's really the economic data has to get stronger. Uh, and, and again, you know, when when economy is expanding, the housing market demand can 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 stay low, but eventually, uh, the growth rate of inflation is falling. I know a lot of people banked on mortgage rates falling this year or it's getting lower because of that. We're we're at a better stage going out for the next twelve months. Uh, uh, as long as the growth rate of inflation falls, because we're in a better footing for the Federal Reserve, so to have mortgage rates spike up again, you know the the economy has to really outperform, and we don't have the exact same backdrop over the next twelve months that we had uh, last uh, the last twelve months. Last twenty twenty two, I think, was so confusing because we have to remember when Russia went into war uh, with Ukraine, commodity prices took off. Uh, we didn't know if Europe would have enough uh, uh, gas to, to survive the winter. Uh, the Fed was jacking interest rates so fast. You know, home sales were collapsing, so a lot of people went into the recession camp. And the growth rate of inflation falling with recession rate cuts. You know, mortgage rates should be lower. The economy was in better footing just because the uh, oil prices started to come down. Real wages went up. Right, the Fed talked about that today. Powell said real wages are rising. That's good for the economy, and that's what they want to see. Uh, and the economy is just in a better footing than a lot of people thought. I know a lot of people are looking at the this is a this is a rookie mistake, and I know a lot of people in the uh, lending industry are doing this. They're looking at the BLS revisions of uh, 300 thousand less jobs. Okay, the bond market doesn't care about it. Neither should you, right? The gr- Where jobless claims are so low, job openings are so high. That's what they're going off of. We can have four years of job growth being between sixty to ninety thousand. The labor market isn't broken. So, jobless claims over everything else, but don't. A lot of people are overweighting that revisions and saying, "Oh, the labor market isn't strong." The labor market's awesome, right? You have nine over nine million job openings. Jobless claims under three hundred thousand. You go back post World War II. It doesn't get any better than this. Breaking means jobless claims rise, not revisions of, uh, of paid jobs when we get back to normal right 157 million uh, people working plus that's where we should have been if covid wasn't here so once we get back to there with our population growth we don't really have big job numbers right so the job growth number should start slowing down and that was a whole labor market premise of mine especially uh, uh, late 2020 or 2021 we're gonna get the job openings up to 10 million Uh, We have makeup demand in labor, right? Once we get to 157, 159, we're back to normal. And then the job growth will be slow, right? Population growth is slowing here. Uh, When a baby boomer retires, somebody replaces them. That's a wash. So don't expect for real big job numbers. That does not mean the labor market is breaking. Claims over everything else. Too many people I've seen making videos are, are talking about, well, the job market isn't. No, if it was, the bond market would be reading that in a second. Uh, uh and so, uh, focus on jobless claims data that comes out every Thursday. We had that yesterday. It was good, it was, you know, it's not, the labor market isn't as tight as it was. The federal reserve even talked about that today. Job openings were like 12 million. We're under 10 million. Focus on claims. The next 12 months focus on economic data, uh, uh, the things that actually matter for the bond market and mortgage rates, because that's, we're in an industry that is very Mortgage rate sensitive. So uh, you could have an economy expanding. Yeah. But again, you know, what happened? We had the biggest home sale crash ever with a year where 4 million jobs are. So the underlying demographic demand is there. It just needs lower mortgage rates. We got a whiff of that, right? November, December, January, we got a whiff of what it would be like uh, for mortgage rates if they just got down to even the low 6% demand picks up. So Eventually, this does turn, uh, uh, and and in that situation, we're in a much different backdrop because sales are really low. You know, I I, I was trying to uh, teach some stock traders that, guys, guys, don't make the same mistake you made with the new home sales market. Right now, home sales have crashed already. If you're if you're going to make another level crash, then yeah, say existing home sales go to two million. But anything moves the needle at this point is up right not down right so when lower mortgage rates come follow the data follow the forward tracking data and go with it uh and that's what i could say to to everyone that we're at such low levels right now historically it doesn't take much to move the needles it does need the 10 year yield to go lower though right uh the spreads obviously are worse that's to me that's the big story of 2023 after the banking crisis we saw the spreads get worse at that point that was a new variable that's a game changer um things, you know, it can get it should get better because we're in a different spot. That's the main that that to me is what Jay Powell was kind of trying to say. We we, we got to this point and we're gonna be we're gonna be careful. And if the growth rate of inflation falls, you could get cuts with not having a recession. That's what that's what you want to see. And hopefully they don't panic like they did earlier in the year. Mortgage rates get to six percent. They're oh my god. No, people are buying homes again. No, no, we, we, they need to cut that out, man. We have to make the Fed tougher, right? We got to put them in the boot camp, right? And get them, you know, not panicking so much uh, uh, with infl- uh, economic data or inflation data, right?
1: Yeah, most definitely. Well, uh, obviously, another big uh, determining factor of the health of the housing market is inventory, Uh, I understand that you have uh, some, some forward looking to do when it comes to inventory levels.
2: Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting. I have a, you know, Mike Simonson, Altos Research, uh, him and I don't believe in the mortgage rate lockdown. We have a different view on, on why, but for me, it's always been when we inventory tends to grow when we have real weakness in demand, right? Days on markets grow and the growth rate of inventory picks, uh, picks up. What's occurred is mortgage rates have been at near seven or above seven percent for some time now, and the growth rate of inventory is very slow. Of course, no new listings data is trending at all time lows. But it, even if that wasn't the case, we should get a uh, 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 more inventory growth. What I would tell people right now is that home sales bottomed at four million. We're not below there. So even though we see softness in the purchase application data, you know it's it's minor compared to you know, the positive prints versus the negative prints. Uh, it's not that much different. But considering where we are now, the growth rate of inventory should pick up a little bit or we extend the, the summer season, right? That's what I want to see. By the time people hear this, we would have already had the tracker uh, article out. Uh, I just want to get us in a better position for 2024. So I'm hoping that the summer decline doesn't happen uh or, or earlier you know usually august September is when we start to see the normal uh, uh seasonal decline in active listings I'm hoping at least we could extend this out just a little bit more uh, uh with these higher rates and then again we are we are in a such different footing in twenty twenty hopefully everybody could see different footing in twenty twenty three because we already had the crash in twenty twenty two right um inventory is the slope of the inventory curve in 2023 is so slow compared to 2022. And remember, 2022 was abnormal. People should not use the year 2022 like anything normal. We, we started, or we, in March of 2022, we only had 240,000 single family homes. That's the lowest levels ever recorded history. Then we had the biggest mortgage rate increase ever recorded history. We had the biggest home sale crash ever recorded history. That's not a normal year. So inventory being negative year over year, just in context to that, that was 2022 is very abnormal, but we should just keep an eye on hopefully we can extend the active listings a little bit longer and don't, don't fall prey for these housing crash, massive inventory. Not, nothing is happening. New listings data is trending at all time lows for over 12 months. All these YouTubers and TikTok people, they're not trained. They're not housing people. I'm just telling you guys, right this. okay? There's a reason I have fun with these people all the time. I can see they're not housing people. right? We're going to have a housing bubble live debate next week right august 31st uh, uh with an economist and remember we believe in economic models we want people to put their models give us a reason why because we are sitting here in year 12 the housing bubble crash 2.0 people 3.0 people whatever we want to call them broken clock theory right so we want to talk about how do we how do we know when we see these major price crashers there's nothing really in the data this year, right? Slow, slow. Everything is slow, calming down. So let's go with that. That's why we created the tracker article. So everyone has real time information. So you don't fall prey for YouTube. To, oh my God. YouTube is terrible. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't want, I don't follow a lot of people, Chris, you know, I just think, I, I mean, I, 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 I'm a very, very tight, narrow person but I get these YouTube videos and I was just like, who the, what, these people are on cocaine. I mean, (laughs) I'm not, I'm not talking, I'm talking the 1980s stuff in Miami. That was, you know, and it's just like, how does this even work? And the kind of stuff that Tony Montana talked about. Yeah. 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 It's for entertainment purposes. People, right. It's for entertainment purposes. These people aren't serious. Nobody does this. Nobody thinks about this. So, uh, Believe in numbers. Track the data. The data can't lie. The numbers literally can't lie to you. We literally, uh, 2022, new listings data was still trending at all-time lows. So there wasn't a scalable inventory increase, right? This is why I draw those black lines on those charts, right? To make it as clear as possible. Boy, that downtrend is still kind of intact, right? If it reverses, God, it'll be so easy to see. Why? Because we're working from the lowest levels ever. So patience, read the data let it guide you ignore human beings on youtube and tiktok man they are whoo nelly that is a different world out there man so uh, follow the numbers yeah the algorithm is
1: unforgiving you know people who want to do youtube stuff full time sometimes they have to
2: put out a video without really knowing too much about what they're talking about (laughs) listen yeah it's (laughs) this is why i never had a youtube page I never created my own. I said, I cannot be what I despise the most in this world, right? So, of course, that's why economics done right should be terribly boring. Be the detective, not the troll, right? So it works. It's not the sexiest. Trust me, I get it, all that stuff. But it's the correct way. This is how people have looked at economics since the Peloponnesian War. Well, look, you're getting into a
1: whole other podcast about news versus entertainment, and, and we probably don't have enough time to get into the, the nuances of something like that here. But I did want to ask you, uh, just we have seen inventory rates tick slightly higher, but it's in conjunction with higher rates. So how does that combine, do you think, over the course of the next several months leading into you know?
2: I was anticipating weekly active listings to grow between eleven to 17,000 with rates uh, uh, this high. It has not happened one time for me. So um, demand isn't weak enough yet to do that. And if you look at existing home sales, we have not breached under 4 million. So the, the the best way to for me to explain that is that there's just not enough velocity out there. There's too many people still kind of chasing too few homes. We're just at a lower level of sales. Last year, six and a half million straight to four million. This year, four million up to 4.5 million. We're down to uh, almost back to four million again. The velocity is different. So hopefully, the growth rate of inventory picks up a little bit and extends the summer increase. That's what I'm hoping for. But the reality is, inventory is very seasonal. New listings data is already in a seasonal decline. Active listings, you know, end of August, September is usually when you start to see the slowdown into fall and winter, and then we start it up again. Uh, the twenty twenty four inventory data is going to be the, to me, the most interesting aspect. Do we, do we go back to normal again, and we have the normal growth in January, February, March, April, or are we still stuck in the seasonal bottom? Happens in March and April, and just had the slow rise. So a lot of things exciting for next year, but for the next few months. Uh, the tracker will really break into the details with those numbers. And remember, those numbers are there for everyone to read so you could live in the real world, not the crazy world.
1: Yeah. Hey, living in the real world is good advice for everybody, I think. But as usual, you've given us a lot to chew on and a lot to think about. So Logan, thank you very much for, for joining us today. Really appreciate it.
2: It was a pleasure. I had freedom this week. Sarah's coming back <laughs> next week and I'm going to be told, "Stop moving. You're too many charts and everything else." <laughs> so, okay.
1: Well, hey, you know, I think we had a good time. So, yeah, that'll be good. Thanks. Take care.